The Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio, of, for, and by you, the people. Live nationwide and streaming live at LeslieMarshallShow.com. Call in with your thoughts at 888-6-LESLIE. Here to set you free on this Tuesday. Good afternoon. I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome or welcome back. Only true democracy and talk. If you're listening to us live or if you're listening to the program when we rebroadcast it later, a tape delayed. Good to have you with us and very good to have with us Tom Conway. He is the president of the United Steelworkers, the USW, elected by the International Executive Board to succeed retiring one of your favorite guests. Now, Tom will be International President Leo W. Gerard as leader of the United Steelworkers, the USW. Keep in mind, they are the largest industrial union, not just in this nation, but on this continent in North America. And, and that was effective July 15th, 2019. But previously... He served as international vice president, a position he held since March of 2005. He was reelected to that position four separate times. And during his 14-year tenure as international vice president, Mr. Conway became the union's most experienced contract negotiator in steel, aluminum, oil, and other major industries. Industries you're hearing a lot about in this political climate and USW members, they, they work often directing uh, bargaining during the crises that surround these industries. Uh, more than a pleasure to have him with us. He's been on the show many times over the past decade. Uh, last time he was on the show was in 2018. We've got to change that. Uh, President Conway, good to have you with us. Good afternoon and welcome back, sir. Oh, thank you, Leslie. It's good to be back. And it's good to have you with us. You know, it's interesting that in 2019 that you and I would have to have a conversation about protecting the right to organize in a nation that leads the world, not just this hemisphere, in freedoms. And one would think that, you know, organizing is one of those freedoms. So I want to talk about protecting the right to organize. And I specifically want to talk about that right via the PRO Act, P-R-O, the Protect the Right uh, to Organize Act. Uh, Tell us how this came about and why it's necessary today. You know, when you think about what's going on in in the country today and with, with America's politics, there's this, all of this nonsense in some ways talk about make America great again. And it's never really defined. What do you mean when you say make America great again? But if you look back to the period of prosperity in our country, when people generally think about when it was great, it was great because union density and acceptance of unions was in the was in the mid seventy percent, and when you think about nineteen sixty five, unions were running seventy seventy three seventy five percent acceptance in the U S. People thought well of unions; they served a good role, and and incidentally, CEO pay was twenty times what the average worker makes. Now today, they have relentlessly beat on unions and the ability of unions to play a role in the economy. 
and have done everything they can to sort of push unions out of the role of being very effective. And CEO pays at 270 times, and union density is down into single digits. And if people can't make a connection between what's happened to America's middle class and the erosion of their purchasing power and the situation where we find ourselves where young people now generally accept they're not going to do as well as their parents, so much of that had to do with having an honest, free trade labor movement that could push back against capital and could push back against corporates, corporate powers who were sort of taking over our government in so many ways. And, and when I think about what made America great, it was having a labor movement and a voice for working people to be able to go to their government and have, make a difference. And so this PRO Act is providing that, and it's looking to allow unions to, to grow, to organize. And there is a climate in the country right now where, where the, the people think well about unions. It's on the upswing. It's, it's nearing 65% again. And people are sort of tired of the deal that they've, they've had for a long time. So, you know, we're optimistic that people are going to join, and I think the PRO Act, it's working its way through the House right now. We think it's going to, you know, come to a vote soon and clear the House. Now it gets over onto the Senate side where everything dies in our government is in the Senate. But we're going to fight for it and we're going to push for it and try and get unions in a place where all the power doesn't lie in the hands of the bosses and the workers have an ability to push back. The Protecting the Right to Organize, the PRO Act, uh, you talked about it making its way through the House. It's in its final markup by the House Committee on Education and Labor uh, this past month. I agree with you, especially with a Democratic-controlled House, it is likely to pass. Democrats tend to be uh, pro-union. Uh, but you know what? Republicans claim to be in, in the Senate, uh, to your point, uh, President Conway, is called the graveyard right now for legislation that is passed uh, through the House and lands on uh, the Senate Majority Leader's desk uh, to put forth a vote in the Senate, just a graveyard there. Why do you think, when you look at this legislation, which is clearly to me not partisan, but which is clearly to me pro-worker and a pathway to power for workers, why wouldn't Republicans and, and, and why wouldn't those in the Senate specifically want to take this up? Because this sounds like a winner politically for both Democrats and Republicans, who many of which are up for re-election in the next general election as well. Look, I think it's as simple as follow the money. And so you're sitting over there in the Senate, and we have a good handful of Democratic friendlies in the Senate who will move this as best they can. But the money that flows into campaigns stifles this, and it stops people from doing things. And when corporations and are able to flow in that kind of money, people aren't going to bring bills forward. So you're right. This is really a, not a partisan bill. This is a bill about giving workers a choice to make a decision and to collectively bargain with their employers, which is a system that works. Collective bargaining works. But they're going to listen to the business interests and the chambers of commerce and all the people who are going to talk about 
Well, we can't even give people minimum wage past seven and a quarter. How do families live on that? Even a $15 minimum wage. How do you live on $15 in today's economy? And how do you have a government who refuses to allow people to at least have a chance to join together and have a discussion with their employer? So in the end, I think it's all about where they get their money from. And the truth is, Workers are never going to outspend that money. They they get outspent $20 for every $1 they can raise in a union hall or in a um in a campaign contribution and and it's just about the influence of money in our system. And and I think we can overcome it in a good grassroots one-on-one argument and and make these people sort of come to heel on what they're doing or put them out of office. I would agree with you there. Mr. Conway, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back to you. President Conway is in the House. He's the international president of the United Steel Workers of the USW. Check out the website online during this break. Go to www.usw.org. On Twitter and on Instagram as well, please follow them. You'll learn a lot about the American worker and who are the middle class who built this country and continue to keep it strong. And also, they are the American voters as well. On Twitter and Instagram, their handle is at Steelworkers. That's at S-T-E-E-L-W-O-R-K-E-R-S. Back with President Conway and you right after this. I'm Leslie Marshall. Don't go away. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show. are back. Good to have with us back president now, Tom Conway, president of the United Steel Workers, the USW. We are talking about the protecting the right to organize uh, via the PRO Act, uh, Protect the Right to Organize Act. Like I mentioned before the break, it's in its final markup and has been in the House Committee on Education and Labor this past month. It's a pathway to power for workers. Uh, thank you for holding and welcome back, President Conway. I want you to talk about how not only this tips the balance of power away from CEOs by strengthening labor laws, but why that is necessary for the working class, for the middle class, for America. You know, when, when you, typically when workers are trying to form a union, it's a very contentious time. And it's very frightening for many of them. And, and because the bosses will go out and they'll hire union avoidance firms, which really are union busters and a group of lawyers will move into the workplace and start a campaign and force employees to sit through mandatory anti-union meetings. They'll threaten them with plant closures. They'll paint every negative possible picture they can. And And as soon as they can identify a leader from that shop, they will typically fire them. And they'll, someday, they'll have to maybe pay them back or re-employ them or pay them off, and it could take years later. And even then, they all they have to do is pay them the earnings that they lost. And if that person went out and had to find another job, the company gets the benefit of that and offsets it against that. And so nothing will kill an organizing drive quicker than firing the people who are trying to lead it. And they all know that, 
and they'll all easily pay the money to get rid of that person. So the PRO Act fixes that. And, and if the union wins, the company will then drag its feet through appeals and processes and challenges and, and tricks by their lawyers and drag it out while at the same time continually trying to erode at the support of those workers. And this identifies that if you can't get to a contract quickly, that you can go to a third party for a contract. And it, it generally goes after those kinds of abuses that employers have been able to use to thwart a union drive and frustrate a group of workers who simply, look, they, these companies would never do business without a contract between their vendors, their suppliers, even the executives have contracts with their boards of directors. But God forbid the workers say, we just want a binding contract about what goes on in the relationship between us and the management. And you would think that you asked for them to, to kill their firstborn. So it's really just about a sense of fairness and equity and an attempt to try and bring about just the vast spreading inequality that's gone on within our society. And that, that has resulted in a 1% and a 99%. And this is, an opportunity for the 99% to be able to sit down and and have um, a balanced discussion about what goes on inside these corporations. So many questions to ask you, uh, President Conway. Workers are fired in one of every three organizing efforts nationwide. What? Do you think that? Do you yeah? Do you think that most <laughs> Americans are aware? that it has become this dangerous to organize in what our nation is known as the land of the free? No, I, I, you know, I don't think – when they fire them, they'll trump up charges. The, 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 the country is afraid of stepping out, and, and that's unfortunate. I mean, because it does take, you know, some degree of courage to sort of step forward in your workforce and say to your coworkers – Look, this isn't right. Enough's enough. We got to do something together. Knowing that the company has that, really that power to sort of get rid of you. So, you you, you got to be somewhat of a you know a strong individual to do that. When you're worried about, you know, I I, I can't barely make it now on what I'm getting paid, and what am I going to say when I go home and I've lost my job over just trying to do better? So, I don't think the country understands how far it swung and how just out of balance things are for workers who want to try. And, and that's why this is an important piece of legislation, to be able to get people on their feet and have honest discussions and not have to be in fear in their workplace about what an employer is doing. And it, it, it is very fearful for people. I want to talk about a company and a case specifically, and, and I'm speaking about the case of Kumo Tire. Um, mm. The defects in the current law can clearly be seen in that case. They're a company from Korea. They have operations in Macon, Georgia. Tell us what happened there when workers tried to organize at Kumo. Well, Kumo just kind of pulled out all the stops, and Kumo went into into Georgia and they opened a tire plant and and our union has a lot of tire workers and other companies who and we know how to build tires and quality tires and naturally um, we went 
to Kumo and, and launched an organizing drive. And they pulled out every stop they could, and they surveilled people, and they followed people, and they they forced them into these mandatory meetings, and 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 violated the law in so many ways, and fired people, and so eventually we won another election there, and and um, we're going to take another run at it. And frankly, we're not going to leave. We're going to stay there until the Kumo workers have had a chance to form their union and be able to move forward. So if the Kumo bosses are listening, which I'm not sure they listen to your show, Leslie, but we're going to stick there and we're going to get through this. And Kumo is sort of a classic example of um, of what a country uh, moving into another country can do and, and sort of break laws with impunity. Uh, interesting when you say, are they listening? There was a, a, a time... Uh, that uh, former uh, President Leo Girard was on, and we were talking about a certain company, and uh, the president of that company sent us a letter, an email begging to come on, you know, trying to defend their actions. Yeah, so, yeah, they're, they're listening. Mr. They got Robert, someone way, listening. I, no, I'm glad. I'm definitely glad. Yeah. Um, so, so, so just to reiterate, the workers trying to join a, a union, you guys, the USW, subjected to anti-union videos, put on a repeat in the break room. So this is like brainwashing, like the Manchurian candidate. Uh, right. Threats of uh, plant closure. And that's something these companies do um, because they love to use fear as a motivator. And sadly, it can be effective, correct? Yeah, of course it can. I mean, you know, folks think they got a job and paying $15, $16, an hour. That's a, it's a lot to put at risk. But the truth is those jobs in and comparable union plants are paying significantly more. And and that's what the market ought to be able to declare. And 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 that's what those workers deserve as well. But Okay, Mr. Uh, uh, President Con- Conway, hold that thought. We got a cliffhanger there cuz I was so interested okay. in what you were saying. I didn't notice we got a break. We're going to come up uh, after this break and continue the conversation. My apologies for the interruption, sir. Back with President Conway, back with you. Check out the USW, the United Steelworkers. Like I said, follow them on Instagram and Twitter, at Steelworkers, and check out their website, USW.org. We're back with Tom Conway. He's president of the United Steelworkers, the USW, talking about the PRO Act protects the right to organize. And it's sad that we need to, in 2019, protect the right to organize, but we do. President Conway, thank you for holding welcome back. My apologies for interrupting. Uh, Please continue. We were talking about Kumo Tire, uh, the Korean company that has operations in Macon, Georgia, and and what they were doing using fear when workers there tried to organize. Yeah, and look, they... um if not for their tactics and the way that they ran their campaign and the way that they invoked fear in those workers and threatened them and coerced them and fired people, those that we easily would have won an election and, and had a union down in the Kumo plant. And even with all of that that they did, it was a close margin. And so we've gone to the to the National Labor Relations Board, and even under this board, the um, violations were so flagrant that we've, we've got a new election ordered, and we're going to go back and do it again. And I think, um, unfortunately, sometimes it just takes that over and over and over, and you build momentum. 
But in the interim, the company will have um, changed out people, gotten rid of people, brought in new people, and you sort of got to start to build a new base and start over again. But regardless of that, um, we're not going away here, and we're not going to let Kumo move in from Korea and do this on this soil and um, and just carry on this way. And, and it's But it is a battle that goes on throughout the country every day. Unions are struggling in this manner to just try and get, you know, some seat at the table and some semblance of a collective bargaining relationship. And employers have had this upper hand for far too long. And you can see the results of it in in our economy and that working class families continue to have stagnant wages for decades now while while the elites just continue to roll up everything. And you see it in our tax policy and you see it in the workplace and in the way the rewards flow to the top. And um, And it's not what our country was based on. And it's not the balance is, is just completely out of skew. And I think the labor movement is the one institution that can fight back, and this PRO Act will, will help labor get on its feet. And so it's important it gets passed. Uh, I agree with you 100%. Talking about Kumo, you know, and talking about fear, they don't, they don't just use fear. They actually will dismiss people, which has a rippling effect among the employees. Uh, Kumo fired the lead organizer um, of, you know, you know, this individual that was trying to organize, which they legally have the right to do. And is it true they also suspended a pregnant worker, Ms. Uh, Victoria Whipple? Uh, as a woman and as somebody who's worked pregnant in my life, that just blows my mind that they would go there. Vicky was seven months, seven eight months pregnant, and in the closing days of the campaign, on her own time, on her break time, without disrupting production at all, she handed out T-shirts to some of her coworkers in the lunchroom and in the other places. They then found a way to fire her, and now imagine that panic. You're about to have a child. Your health care benefits are cut off. You've lost your job. You've been fired. For something simply as offering coworkers a supportive T-shirt to wear, and, and so the, the the most chilling of tactics, and the firing of leadership, and the, and to send that signal through a workforce that, well, if you step out of line or you speak up or you express an opinion that's supportive of the union, we'll find a way to get rid of you, and and um, and that does throw. A cold blanket across an organizing drive, and it scares people, and they know it, and the companies know it. And even even when they do it so flagrantly that that they lose their appeals in the long run and we, we win something back for these people, in that process that can take years, they've destroyed lives, they've destroyed families, and it's just an amazing um an amazing display of inhumanity, frankly, and just just to sort of save a buck because you know in the end that union together, strengthened, are going to be able to do a little better for themselves, and you're going to have to pay them a little more, and you're not going to, I don't know, buy another yacht or something. 
yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said that, uh, President Conway, because inhumane is exactly what I was thinking. Anti-American inhumane. And Cuomo doesn't mess around. Correct me if I'm wrong. Are they spending like half a million on their anti-union campaign message? The, the money they gave these this union-busting firm, had they just sat down and said, all right, look, here's here's what we have to spend. And half a million was a lot of money, and they instead gave it to a handful of people who concocted this campaign to crush them, and that money would would go a long way towards working it out with the with the workforce and getting an agreement and staying going forward in the tire business. And um, they just never seem to never seem to see their way to. To do that, it's, they would just rather not have to worry about having to share anything with their workforce. And it, in the end, it is economic. It's, it has a lot to do with dignity and the ability to have some control in the place that you work and know what your schedule might look like and not be subject to half turns and sent home in the middle of the day for no work. And I mean, a lot of other issues, scheduling and time off and quality time with the family and not abusive level overtime, but to be able to get a fair's pay, fair day's pay for fair day's work. And, um, and those are the primary concerns of these organizing drives, and they just don't want to pay them fairly. It, it, it's sickening, especially when you think about the amount of money. And yeah. speaking about fair or unfair, um, they've racked up, what, more than, than two dozen, uh, more than 30, I understand, unfair labor practice charges, correct? Yeah, look, they were, they were not shy about breaking the law. And it's that sort of arrogance about breaking the law that um, lets them get away with it. And, it. and they know that even when they're caught, they're not going to pay any penalties. So now this PRO Act would provide that rather than have to, when, when a company has acted that way and has violated people's rights in such a way, they couldn't be sued before. Your remedy was to go to the National Labor Relations Board, file a charge. The board will find on your on your behalf and tell the company, well, post a notice and offer them a job back. And and if they work during the period of time you fired them, you got to own the difference or you got to own some back pay. So if they were able to kill that organizing drive and that's their only penalty, that's a small price for them to pay. But now if they got to face a jury and and that person or it, with help from its union can go into a courtroom and say, this is what these people did and what they did to our lives and how they hurt us and harmed us, and ask that jury to give a, render an opinion and a judgment on that, that's a very different outcome. And so that's the PRO Act provides for that. And, look, I think there's a lot of times in this country when when managements direct people to do things that are unsafe and ought to pay a penalty for that. And I think when they do this to people and crush their lives, they ought to pay a real penalty for that, not a slap on the wrist. Without question. Let's talk about the PRO Act. Let's talk about what it would do and why it's great for uh, America and why it's great specifically for the majority of this nation, the working class, uh, the middle class that works so hard and and really are the backbone of this nation. Uh, One thing that this act, the PRO Act, would do 
is establish stronger and swifter remedies to stop employers from breaking the law. And we do need some type of incentive when we talk about how many infractions just this one company, as an example, alone is doing, right? Mm-hmm. Well, there's the old adage that justice delayed is justice denied. And so if you're in a system when the company breaks the law and, it, and they can then drag out the adjudication of that and how that's going to get settled for years sometimes, it, it, there's no winning in that. You don't, you're not going to win. Maybe eventually you're going to get something small out of it. So having a quick justice that decides on what happens here is important, and the PRO Act recognizes that and deals with that system and that, you know, you've got to quickly process these things, and you've got to do them in such a way that it doesn't kill the organizing drive and you can deal with abuses and, and violations, you know, as immediately as you can. And that, that's one of the things. The companies, you know, you, you hire a lawyer to drag it out and, and drag you through a bunch of appeals and a bunch of processes and a bunch of delays and, and appeals to different court. And, um, and it's sort of, and they'll pay lawyers all day long, you know, rather than deal with their workforce. And look, we <laughs> without, have a lot without, of who work for us, good lawyers who do good work and amazing work on behalf of workers here. And, and it's with that reliance on them that we win these cases from time to time. But there's a, there's a dark side to the law practice, and they go to work for these people, um, and sharing that kind of reward. And I, you know, someone makes their living that way, shame on them. Without question. Um, Another thing that this uh, great uh, piece of legislation would do is make companies recognize contractors as part of the collective bargaining process um, because that that's what they do, right? They whittle down union membership by subcontracting. And I think it's awesome this is included in this piece of legislation because we've talked about um, those contractors and, and how they uh, change the employment status of workers uh, to, to make it impossible for them to unionize. Right. We just, we're just organized recently a group of contractors who support Google, and they work for Google. And the truth is they do the same work that Google employees do, sort of side by side. And, but it is a way that companies say, well, that's not in my employee. It's someone else's problem. But that employee, in fact, is directed by that company, is doing the work at the behest of that company, is oftentimes paid less than the company, than the primary company, and we see that model throughout the nation. And now they now they've come up with a name for it. They call it a gig economy. But the only one getting gigged here are the workers. And so the Pro Act recognizes that that phenomenon is going on. That employers don't want to take responsibility for those people doing work on their behalf within their company at their dis- direction, and it will allow us to be able to disassemble some of that stuff because it's, it's widespread in America. 
We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk more about this with President Conway here on the only true democracy in talk. I'm Leslie Marshall. Back with him, back with you. In the meantime, go to USW.org, their website, and uh, follow, like I said, on both Twitter and Instagram. Do that now during the break at Steelworkers, S-T-E-E-L-W-O-R-K-E-R-S. The website, USW.org. We'll be back with President Conway and you after this. Don't go away. Leslie Marshall, the simple truth in a complicated world. We are back with the United Steelworkers president, Mr. Tom Conway. President Conway, thank you for holding and uh, welcome back. We were talking and continue to talk about protecting the right to organize uh, via the PRO Act. And we were talking about some of the things the PRO Act would do. One of the things that always has been mind-blowing to me, because you talked about attorneys before the break, is how long a contract can take, how long these corporations drag out contracts, especially the first contract, which this legislation would uh, hope to curb, uh, forcing employers to reach a first contract in a timely manner with a newly organized group of workers. That delay, that dragging out, is another way, in a sense, to try to exhaust the efforts of those that are seeking to unionize, correct? And can you speak to that? Yeah, look, under the current law, if they can drag it out longer than a year, and that's a simple thing for them to do, not offer dates, not be available, tie it up with a lot of silly information that's irrelevant. And and then after that year, attempt to challenge the union's majority and whether or not they have had the ability to erode the union's position during that period of time. And so there comes a point in time where when the when the employer is dragging his feet and won't meet on simple issues and won't come to terms with them, and it isn't bargaining in good faith with the, the unit, that we ought to be able to go to someone, a third party, and say, okay, here's our story, and here's theirs, and here's what's going on, and we'd like for you to install the first labor agreement. That That's as simple as this is. And I think that's a fair approach. And, and um, look, the business ought to want to get on with its business. The workers don't want to be embroiled in this for years and years and years, they just want to be able to get a deal that they can bank on and know that it's, you know, it's going to be there for them at least for a contract period or a period of time. So it's, it's not an unreasonable request. And in labor contracts, the principle of arbitration has been there since the War Labor Board in World War II. And, and having a third party help parties get through issues when they need that help is not at all uncommon or unheard of, and it's, a, it's, it's often a desired solution. So um, I think having that feature in there is important. Um, and I agree, look, I, I agree 100%. And yeah. go, go ahead, President Conway, go ahead. Look, they just want to, you know, if you think about this, union workers on average in this country, they make about 13.5% more than non-union workers. And so that 13%, that company doesn't want to give that up. They don't want to share it with their workers. They don't want to. They don't want to treat them fairly in that, and in some ways you've got to make them to do it. And so one way to make them to do it is have the collective strength of the workforce to do it. But when they have been able to just chip away at that 
and rob that strength, then something like this PRO Act needs to be put in place. And it's almost not so much for the workers of today who are trying to organize. It is about the workers of tomorrow and what this country is going to look like down the road. If they are able to completely eliminate unions and the voice of working people to do what this country ought to do that's fair, this, this, is, this is long-reaching legislation. And politicians in Washington need to understand that if you're going to put balance back in America in the earnings power of the workforce and the ability for the workforce to, to live decent lives in this country and make America that shining star that it was so long ago, you've got to do something to empower those workers. And this PRO Act goes a long way in that process. Hallelujah. When people can't call in because they're at work, President Conway, they sometimes will post things online or tweet. We have a couple of uh, guys. Uh, the first one is a Woodson. He, he, speaking about this legislation, says, seems to be the all-American way. Employers are not our most valuable assets anymore. Profits are. And then Richard Lionheart tweets, it's bonkers that states like Michigan have gone right to work. The GOP has really gotten everyone to drink their toxic Kool-Aid. And speaking of that, this legislation reverses is the so-called right to work, and, and that's regardless of the state laws, such as Michigan, correct? Right. That's right. Look, the right, right to work is just a cleverly disguised name for allowing people to be in a unionized workplace and not have to support the union financially and for the union to have to defend them and do the work on behalf of them. It is the most unbalanced thing. I mean, it, 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 those people who are members of the Chamber of Commerce, if one of them said today, well, I'm not paying my dues this month, they'd get thrown out of the Chamber of Commerce. If a union member says it, the law compels the union to have to represent that person. And it's just about the destructiveness and the old story of divide and conquer. And so if you can strip the union of the resources it needs to have those lawyers to fight back, to be able to go have legislative fights, to be able to ensure that there are laws that support workers' abilities, then you undermine the union. And that's what we see going on constantly. And, you know, if people in these states would think, if the union were so ineffective, why are they so worried about trying to kill it? I mean, if the union couldn't do anything for them, why bother with it? And and they work so hard at trying to crush unions. And, and common sense ought to tell people there is value at being in a union, both economic value and a solidarity and a sense of togetherness that you can succeed. And, and the employers are afraid of that. Absolutely. President Conway, I could talk to you all day. Very interesting. I learned a lot. I know our listeners did. By the way, if you want to, listening, help promote passage of the PRO Act, please post about it on social media. All you have to do is use the hashtag ProActNow, hashtag ProActNow. If you want to hear more about this and other union issues, go to USW.org. Follow them on Twitter and Instagram at Steelworkers. I'm Leslie Marshall. You've been listening to President Tom Conway from the USW. My executive producer is Marky Mark Grimaldi. You can listen to us live and in repeat on delay. Lots of places to listen. Uh, keep in mind our website, LeslieMarshallShow.com. You can sign up for our newsletter and find out more about the USW 
and this program. 